What DAW do you use to record? Uh, Logic mostly for like composition, but if I'm ever doing just simple or like, it's weird because I'll use Ableton to do like, I don't know, more sample based work, uh, especially when samples don't match up in tempo or anything. It's mm-hmm. so much easier to work with them because their warp feature is absolutely perfect. Um, but Logic, because that's what I started with and I know I'm going to be able to keep getting updates on it for free and that's kind of important to me. <laughs> Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of thing where it's like, I made a one-time purchase and I like kind of keeping with things where I don't have to pay again. Sure. You know? Yeah, that's like, fair. I mean, if they come out with like a brand new version of Logic, but Ableton, for example, will make you pay for every like new version. Not every uh, like point. 1.2 update but every time like when Ableton 12 comes out you pay for Ableton 12 mm-hmm. you get like a discount if you already have 11 because it's an upgrade but whatever um, yeah that's <laughs> yeah. long winded answer because at this point because of my job at the YMCA I have to use a few of them but yeah gotcha I was just curious I don't even remember why I asked you that <laughs> I think we're just I've used Reaper for like yeah. a second it was tough for me because I was coming into it from already being a logic user so mm-hmm. I was like I did the same thing with Studio One. I was trying to be like, you know, yeah, so like DAW agnostic, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, I know what I like. Yeah. So Studio <laughs> One is what I use at home now. Mm-hmm. I, I switched to that like a year ago and I really, really like it. Um, I used Pro Tools for a while at home. Very overrated. I um, mean, I've been, you know, I don't know. Since I like stopped studying recording, like when I was in college, I had to learn on Pro Tools. And now I'm like, I never gonna use. Pro I don't Tools know yet. why people use Pro Tools. Well, because some of the I know like industry a- standard like editing is in there. Like it's still a very good DAW for something like doing composition or like you know underscoring for video. Um, but there are also better options out there. Yeah, <laughs> that aren't I, like I, legacy pay. Like it's one of the. It's like weird. I think I kind of feel like I can understand that it was revolutionary two decades ago, mm-hmm. but like. I don't know. It's funny that it still has a grip. I mean, I see it everywhere. Like, yeah. I went to... The name Rock- is cool. They they have a very good brand recognition. Brand deals. <laughs> <laughs> Avid brand deals. Um, yeah, there's... Like, I went to uh, uh, Red Cayman Studios. And they were using Pro Tools. And I was like, oh, wow. Everyone uses... Like, this is still a very... Like, the expensive, really nice professional studios... Are all still like honor bound to Pro Tools, and and I would talk to the engineers and be like, "Do you use that at home?" And they're like, "Hell no." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I get it, but I don't care. I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, I find that Reaper's really good because it's so low resource, mm-hmm. and like for this, which I mean, this is like a two hundred dollar little laptop. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm really, it is I, your Reaper machine. Yeah. It works for this. It just yeah. stays here. You know, when I was like, I need to get a second computer for this space because for me, I just really wanted to have a setup here that I didn't have to like consistently move around. Yeah. And I was like, I need sense. to do it cheap. So yeah, it works for yeah. this. I, no, no, I love that. Yeah. I love getting the cheapest thing you can for just a specific job. Uh huh. I'm a little bit like I buy just super consumers to me, I know. But I buy a bunch of uh, 
like gaming handhelds. And by a bunch, I mean I have at least four at this point. Mm -hmm. Became like a collecting hobby kind of, but mostly like, you know what? I want something for when I'm on the go, but don't care about it breaking. And then I want something for just in bed. And then I want something for when I'm on the couch. Sure. <laughs> and like, there's no need for any of this, but I was happy to, you know, find the cheap version of something. I think it's more in the game of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that it's really important to uh, not underestimate the, uh, the value of like convenience mm -hmm. and like if you are somebody that gets into that mindset of like time is money even something as simple as just like needing to like set something up or tear something down or move something might even stop you from doing it in the first place oh yeah you know what i mean like there's a very good chance that if i had to uh bring and set up like cameras or computers to like do this podcast every time you wouldn't do it. I might've woken up this morning and been like, <laughs> not, today. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling good, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, just having it there uh, does really help. But there is like a, um, definitely a barrier to entry to being able to get to a point that you can like do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, this is a budget that you need to account for these things, but at the same time, once they're there, they're there. Yeah. And now you have a convenient setup that you enjoy and you actually want to come back to. And I don't know. I feel like that has a lot of value. Totally. I think it's it's important to, uh, you know, invest in yourself. Invest in the things that make you feel fulfilled as a human being. Especially if you're fortunate enough to find something that you like enough yes. to make yourself feel fulfilled as a human being. And like invest in those things. And like, when people use words like invest, that could sound like a little big brain, but like you don't need a lot to invest. It's not, I'm not talking about like, you know, stocks or real estate or something like that, but like, you know, you can do things for like an affordable cost if you have like the knowledge, but maybe there is a conversation about like the knowledge that is required to figure out how to do things cheaply. I think that, experience teaches you how to do things cheaply too yeah like i don't know you can go off to a place and work with the most expensive stuff and be like wow that's really nice i could never do that but these are the things they did what are yeah like i guess there is like a, a sort of like second brain to it where you're like ah this is the really nice setup what can i get <laughs> you know totally you know i've had so many conversations with people over the years about like, Hey, like, you know how I want to start a podcast. What do I need? Or I want to record some music. I want to get into, you know, what do I need? And it's just like, you know, I always say you need two things. It's like, you have to actually really want to do it. Mm -hmm. And then like, do you have like any sort of a computer? Like anything yeah. people will be like, Oh, like the most common answer I get is like, Oh, I have like a MacBook, but it's like five years old. I'm like, it's probably fine. You're not trying to record Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> you know, like you can, you can, you, you can do some record two channels. Yeah. You can, maybe. You, you can get like a USB powered, like a little focus, right? Yep. Interface mm -hmm. for like 150 bucks. I mean, that's still a lot of money for some people. So I'm not I trying mean, to under, even under, easier undercut ways that. to do it if you really want to. Like, yeah. go on to Amazon, <laughs> get like two twenty-five dollar USB microphones that plug right into it. Like, or 
I don't know. There's like software where you can use your phone or like AirPods or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah, but I think a lot I of, I mean, there's, you know, more professional ways to do it. Totally. Like if the barrier to entry exists at all, I feel like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Make it seem like it's not even like a big deal to get these things. Yeah. Like I was telling people, like I put out a solo record over the summer and I recorded a large chunk of it in hotel rooms. Like there's oh. tracks on that that I that I released that I recorded the vocals on my AirPods. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, it's like it's kind of like lo-fi, crunchy sounding hip hop type stuff. So I just recorded it on my AirPods and then threw a fucking decapitator on it, made it sound <laughs> like a little intentionally crunchy. It sounds cool. That's probably what I would have done even if I had recorded it on a 7B at home or something like that, you know? Yeah, my uh, my little brother would be on tour and just like use BandLab or uh, there's another program, but I, I think it was BandLab. And just like some of the things that I would see from the hotel room, like, or like I would hear that came back to me, I'm like, I feel like that should have taken more work than that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like to make it sound that good, but it didn't. It was like, oh, there's some built-in plugins on my phone and I use my AirPods. Like, yeah, it, like, it, it's kind of crazy where we've gotten technology-wise. Like totally. you make very good music yeah, there's without like, any like fancy equipment at all. Totally. There's technology and like you had said before, experience is a big part of it too. Mm-hmm. And I think going off of experience... I think there's a conversation to be had about just like fully understanding the what you are trying to create. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of music are you trying to make? What kind of, if you want to get real uh, woo-woo about it, what kind of s- story are you trying to tell? What kind of landscape are you trying to paint? You know? Mm-hmm. And like for me, you know, going back to my example, I knew what how I wanted this to sound. And it's like, I know that, I can do this on this, you know, and maybe for some types of music, maybe you can't get the fully realized picture with minimal things. But also if you have the experience to know like, oh, I could use this cheap equipment if I have this plugin to clean up the noise from the Mm -hmm. cheap cables and things like that. So anyways, all that to be said, yeah, (laughs) you you definitely don't need a lot, but there is experience. And I think the only thing that is going to give you the experience is if you have the first thing that I said you need, which is you really need to want to do it. Like, yeah, really have that drive, you know, like, yeah, drive is a big deal. And honestly, like as an artist or as just someone who like lives and breathes doing stuff that's creative, there's so much flow to it where there's going to be down. There's going to be up. There's going to be down. There's going to be up and getting used to it (laughs) is, is hard. Like, but at the same time, I don't know. There's there's kind of like a, a built-in like, all right, but you want this. And even if there and if that's not in there, sometimes I don't think it's in there. Um yeah, this is a really roundabout way of saying like sometimes I don't have drive. Sure. And it doesn't work out. And sometimes I do and it does work out. I feel like there's maybe maybe it's ambition, maybe it's wanting to do it. Maybe there's a innate feeling that I have to do it and like it drives the deeper purpose of my life and that's it. <laughs> I don't have any rounding. I'm just kind of like going going uh going off the dome on a on a thought. Yeah, I think that there's when you're dealing with like inspiration and like 
um, expectations that maybe we put on ourselves as creators or artists, right? Um, like once you start doing something and you realize that you can do it, it makes it harder when you have a day that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I've done this before. Yeah. I don't know how many songs I've written. I don't know how many ideas I've had for like music videos or like, you know, if it's like an art thing or whatever, like I've done this, but why can't I come up with something today? It's not like there's like this endless well of ideas in anybody for some people, it may seem like there I, is. I think there is an endless well. I think just sometimes you forgot your bucket. And <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing yeah. you can really, like, it's not always as easy as just going back home and getting it. Sometimes it's like, oh, no, I lost this. Like, I got to go to the market and buy a new one. And, like, you sure. have to figure out a different way to get back to the same space. For me, I feel like it's uh, um, it's almost like a hot water tank, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, it's going to get low. You know, it's like the ideas kind of start to get lukewarm after a point. And it's yeah. like, I got to turn this off and let it heat back up again before I turn that, turn the spigot back on. Yeah, right? which, the uh, spigot. Listen to me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is it a spigot? I, I really don't know. <laughs> Faucet, spigot, whatever. Yeah, the, the thingy you turn to make it hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> the knob. Yeah. I don't have the technical term either. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of the time I'll spend... Or I'll, I'll look at a, a, a space and time and be like, yeah, I can't make something. Um, I guess I got to go live. <laughs> That's like a big thing that people do talk about at this point. But it's like you got to kind of go have those experiences. Um, for me, sometimes the experience is watching a really cool TV show um, where I genuinely feel inspired. And I'm just like thinking about all the pieces and like how they all come together, how the writing works, how the, like I'm in the in the weeds of it while I'm watching it. Or sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm just numb. A lot of people will go outside. They'll go hiking. They'll go find their inspiration in nature. Um, I enjoy the great indoors. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that before we had started recording, which, uh, by the way, I never did this, so maybe we should do this. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat, the show where we highlight the past, present, and future of the Pittsburgh music scene. My name is Brian Sykes Howe. I am your host. And today, joining me for the second time, the one and only Feral Cat. Make some noise for the internet. Hi. What's up, internet? What's going on? (laughs) This may be the first time I've done an intro almost 10, 15 minutes into a (laughs) podcast. But, uh, you know... We were chatting for probably 20 minutes before we started, and I was like, oh, shit, we should probably hit record. It's just fun because we can get into weeds. Totally. I, I like the weeds. Yes. <laughs> During that conversation, before we had started recording, um, we were talking about what you were just talking about in the sense of like needing to, we'll say, turn the faucet off mm-hmm. and go engage with other things that help you become inspired. You know, I try to think about a time when I was happiest making art. And I think that that time is today in some ways. Yeah. I feel really good. I'm in like a really good creative space and I'm able to do things like this podcast and talk with people and make music with my friends and blah, blah, blah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. But also there was a, 
an ignorance is bliss sort of time in my life before social media, before everything else where all I had was a, a windows 98 computer and one beat <laughs> machine and a cheap DAW and you know, an M audio USB mic and I'm working it out, oh, you know, the M audio stuff. <laughs> oh, that hit a specific uh-huh. part of my brain, you know, and like <laughs> I'm working it out with what I got, you know, and like in that time frame, like thinking about back then and when I, decided to start making music. It's like, I wanted to start making music because I was so inspired by everything that I was consuming as a kid and a teenager, Mm -hmm. child of the nineties. I mean, alternative rock radio and pop culture and video games and all that stuff. And it's still in me today. Oh yeah. And that's the stuff that made me want to make art and make music. And as I've gotten older and I've become more consumed with my art and my now we would dare say content yeah, I don't take as much time to engage with the things that inspired me in the first place. So I really need to remind myself to take a step back and like, it's cool to like, you don't have to work all the time. Yeah, You might actually be happier if you engage with other things and you, maybe you can approach your work with some new, fresh ideas instead of constantly pulling from the same things that inspired you when you started 20 years ago. You know, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Growing up is weird. Growing up is weird. I mean, I feel like I had a similar experience, but I guess without the DAW as much because I was playing a lot in high school. I was in like jazz band, real big band dork. Um, that was both my friends and my and my life. You know, like I went mornings, I went afternoons, I went evenings. And while in there, it was like, this is what you're supposed to be learning in music. And then on certain evenings I was in a rock band with my friends and it was bad. It was like a really (laughs) bad band and we'll all contest this because we're all like excellent musicians. We happen to just play very poorly in this configuration. Like there was a battle of the bands um, that we entered. There were 20 bands from the high school in it, which is insane to me. I don't think it's ever happened like that again, but within that time we got like 19th place. And the only reason we didn't get 20th place is because the 20th place person, their drummer left halfway through the set because <laughs> we got sick. <laughs> wow. And yeah, I mean, I love that story now. I was embarrassed back then, but kind of embarrassed where I'm like, mom, dad, please don't come. <laughs> uh-huh. Just come for the big jazz band shows. Um, but anyway, very much was like going to see bands and I was in a place where I could like go to New York city and see some of the craziest musicians. And it was all exciting. And there was always something that I wanted to grow from. And I don't really take that much from that these days. And weirdly enough, like you saying like, maybe I should get inspired by something new. I'm now thinking maybe I should keep, I should, I do work within a lot of nostalgia, but I also tend to listen to something new and be like stealing that, stealing that mental note or I'll just like take a, a voice note and it is that new thing that creates something new of mine. But like, I don't know, going back is powerful. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think it's really important to try to keep your finger on like the metaphorical pulse of whatever's going on in the scene, whether it's underground or even like surface level pop stuff. I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. Um, I find it like really fascinating for the first time in my life, I'd say over maybe the past like three, four, five years, it's the first time that like I'm hearing new pop music. And I'm like, I don't really understand this. 
and I don't really like this at all, but it's cool that things are happening that I don't understand mm -hmm. versus it just being the same old thing over and over again. There's always nods to things that you can like pick up on and be like, oh yeah, I kind of understand where that's coming from or where it maybe isn't coming from. Maybe they're unintentionally pulling these things. It's hard to know. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't hang out with or talk to 17, 18, 19 year olds. I don't know what inspiring things and they're putting things out that I'm just like, I don't get this, but it's resonating with a demographic of people that do get it. And I think that's cool in the same way the dumb shit that I listened to when I was 18 years old. I'm sure the people that were in their late thirties at the time were like, I don't fucking know what this is. Oh no, I know people that were in their thirties <laughs> and 40s who were like, absolutely not. What do you mean? Yeah. You put rap and rock together. I'm like, but it's Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, like looking back, I mean, you know, just like a quick segue uh, out of all of the stuff that came out in that time frame, I feel like they actually were, um, pretty well ahead of the curve and you can no, still hear that you can that, still hear a lot of that stuff today i mean would I there be 21 pilots like a, without lincoln park no absolutely way not no there's way. also a resurgence of new metal that happened within this decade by this decade i mean like the 2020s mm -hmm. where like people are are now very fondly looking back at the early 2000s and the mid 2000s movement of yeah new metal um kind of like the disturbed end or yeah, that's, and like they're bringing it into a new perspective, and a lot of this is actually happening with like, like, like people of color. Like, there's a lot of like very cool new like black punk bands. There's yeah. a lot of very cool new black metal bands that are taking a lot of that new metal like approach and just completely running with it. And I enjoy that a lot. Totally. I mean, as a child of the '90s again, <laughs> uh, I do too. Um, you know, one thing that I would like to see more of is if maybe this exists and maybe I'm missing it, but I feel like a lot of the bands that are kind of tapping into this resurgence or creative retelling or new wave of new metal, however you want to phrase it. I feel like a lot of the things that made new metal fun, I'm not seeing that in these new bands. Interesting. Do you have you an know? example? I, like, cause I also, I have a, like I'm with you. Yeah. I also want to like, Think about that. So when I think of some of the bands that are in this space right now, I can, or at least that are kind of like pulling influences from new metal stuff, right? There's bands like, uh, like Loathe yeah. or Vane mm -hmm. or like Paleface and like, they're all really good bands, but it's all very like serious. It is. And that's cool. Serious. And also there's a lot. To, there's a lot going on in the world right now worthy of writing serious music about. Mm -hmm. So, cool. But I would be very interested, not that I need another Limp Biscuit. <laughs> they were never even really one of my favorite bands at the time. No, Anyways. But, but the idea that they were really kind of tongue-in-cheek. Even like Korn, like, who was like, like objectively a pretty serious band lyrically. I mean, they wrote about a lot of very <laughs> troubling things. Yeah. They were still like, um, the, like kind of fun. Like the marketing of it was fun. You know, yeah, it didn't take itself as seriously as these bands tend to. I mean, you know, like a band like Sleep Token takes themselves seriously enough to be like, you're not showing me. Or is it a goof now to to be masked? Yeah, I know? don't. Yeah, I can't decide if like Sleep Token is like if it's like a, a genuine expression of creativity or is it just camp <laughs> or is it like um, somewhere in between the two? I think it's probably somewhere in between the two. Like someone who like glorified Slipknot, but lives now. 
you yeah. know? Like, well, and I, they, there was a, a certain level of like goofiness to it, you know? Well, I think, you know, even like goofiness aside, I think there's an interesting conversation to have about like how important, I mean, the visual branding of a band has always been important, right? Yeah. Like, you know, especially if you're trying to elevate to a point, like the grossest way I always put this, but I feel like it's human nature and it's, it, it is what it is is like if you want your band to reach a certain point, it really comes down to how fuckable are you? <laughs> and like, that's gross, but it is what it is. It's like how, like how, and like, it could be like a metaphorical fuckable, like mm -hmm. how attractive is not even, it's not even just like, it's looks. not necessarily it's sexuality. Not, it's not it's sexual. How attractive is this prospect? Like, like people, like, people want to like, like how, if people see you, are they going to want to, be you is there going to be envy mm -hmm, is there going to mm -hmm. be jealous is there going to be um inspiration like all of those sort of things where it's like how much are people going to really pull that in and that's what makes like the top of the top really successful is like yeah. how fuckable they are right <laughs> but okay. i think for some people especially in like the um we'll say metal rock uh serious octane core type of music right like uh octane core is, <laughs> i feel like octane core on its own has got to feel a little goofy but they do take themselves you know you know what like, i mean like, going. That, whole, that whole world of people um the image thing i think is really really big mm -hmm. and i think there could have been maybe a point in time and this is maybe me just making a really gross generalization where maybe nobody knows who the sleep token guys are right maybe they just don't have a good look but somebody was like, these songs are really cool and you have a good idea. And if you did this, it would work. We could sell it if you do this. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe that is a thing. I think that's 100% what happened with Ghost. I, I don't know what happened with Ghost. I think that like, because it was just like, this is, I mean, this is just very, I mean, early Ghost is like very kind of, uh, it's just a, a good, like kind of nostalgic rock Black Sabbath era type thing. And now they sound like, you know, goth ABBA is the joke that a lot of people Oof. throw at it ghost, right? Kind of like the, the bring me the horizon effect or uh, bring me the horizon is kind of a different conversation. Okay. I think that ghost basically, I think they just had a very, I don't think ghost their music would be marketable without the image on the scale that it is probably not. And I think the same thing with like sleep token where it's like, really cool band doing really cool things without that image. They would just be like a Reddit band. I'm not entirely sure. Although like it's tough because this feels like a moment with other bands that I've seen kind of come up in the same time period, like bad omens or something where like, this is a sound. And I think it just happened to be a time and a sound. And they also had a gimmick, which makes them just slightly above their competition. Yeah. Uh, versus like, I over, I think the sound still kind of drove it because there's a lot of other bands that kind of remain faceless, even though they have their pictures up, you know, it's just all kind of behind the like spider web uh, logos and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but then, you, I mean, I guess that is also the image that you're describing, but I don't know. I, I want to say yes, it could be, but, but also I, there's a distinct possibility that people just like the music. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think the thing too is that 
I guess I should backtrack and clarify that like probably what we're having more of a conversation about is that um, I think their image made them become more accessible mm-hmm. um, I, I, and more that. people were able to hear it because they see the image and are like, what is this? And then they like it. You know, it's not that I don't think that it's the case where if you were able to play that music for the same amount of people that they wouldn't like it. I just don't think they would never have even heard it in the first place if it wasn't for the image helping it get brought out to people. It definitely makes people ask another couple of questions, yeah. which is almost always And maybe helpful, that's maybe so. that's t- maybe you could say that about like anything even going all the way back to Kiss. Yeah. Would anybody really give a fuck about Kiss if it wasn't for the image? Probably they have not like, right away. They have like a, a handful of songs that I could maybe consider timeless i don't know i they got I, some bangers too it's I hard mean, to say it's funny because you mentioned kiss and i'm just like try and think of a song try and think of a song <laughs> <laughs> i was like i can't even remember a song if you put the gun to my head although i'm sure if you mentioned it i would remember but yeah like, right now it's like you're right but like you know i think about the who and i i can i can think about tom sawyer you know sure it's just like, I don't know about like, I just don't know. I, yeah, I just don't know if Kiss would have worked without the gimmick. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say if Slipknot would have worked without the gimmick. It's hard to say if Ghost would have worked without the gimmick. They're all good bands, all good songwriters, but it's about like, when I say, I don't know if it would have worked, I mean at the scale. Yeah. I don't know if it would have been as exposed to as many people. Maybe. You know? Yeah. There's always kind of like a little edge on some like end band that makes it something. And for a lot of these bands, it is being masked or being, I don't know, extra rowdy. or <laughs> Yeah. or It's so weird. I find that there's plenty of times... I, and like maybe this is me being a, a a bit of a brat, but I don't know. Let me know if maybe you do this. <laughs> a lot of times, especially with like new music, um, I have a really hard time uh, <laughs> dealing with like overperforming or like bad acting in music videos. I and there's a lot I of like times where this is going because I I don't think I've watched enough music videos where I've had that experience. Yeah. But I'm also like really excited about this. <laughs> where it's like sometimes like I'll hear something that I like, but the video is like really dumb. Like yeah. I'm like I'm like these like the band looks silly or something like that. Where I like I'll just have to kind of like close my eyes or like listen to it on Spotify. Like it's like I just don't like the image. The image is actually turning me off from like what is happening is it like here too self-important too self-serious like i mean it's always it's something, always something it's always something different it probably yeah. just goes ultimately to me just being like overly critical and just not enjoying something for what it is like i should i don't know i i tend to form opinions and i can still enjoy something yeah you know i remember it all started with uh funny enough not that i'm a, a fan of this artist in particular but i remember this moment because it, it was very formative for me but there's a, an artist that you've probably are familiar with by the name of Pink. Oh yeah, uh, Pink has a song called "Just Like a Pill." Oh yeah, you know that song? Maybe it's <laughs> you know it's a, it was uh, early two thousands. I feel pop, like probably pop, pop but... like it was like 
the hook was like, you're just like a pill. Instead of making me better, you keep making me ill. I think that's the hook, something like that. Um, it's uh, trying to be edgy. It's not really edgy. Uh, the song is, it is what it is. It's a, it's a pop song from the early 2000s. But in the music video, she's so like overperforming and kind of like headbanging and acting like all intense and like the intensity of the performance is like here. And like the actual music is like way down here. And I remember being like, this is off. It just and, doesn't match. Yeah, it doesn't match. It doesn't make sense. And that's always bothered me since then. So blame pink. <laughs> no, <laughs> that know? sounds fair. <laughs> On kind of the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, you know a band called the Callous Dowboys? Yes. So their latest music videos, like the last couple for what's going to be a new release, have mostly impressed me because it doesn't take itself so seriously. You know? Like, it's very much showing kind of like a... No, no, like, it's showing the intention of the band, but also, like, looks like these guys have fun doing it. Like, yeah. And that's really important to me uh -huh. when I it's, see a band doing... Like, it looks like everyone is... It doesn't... They don't have to be goofballs, but it seems like you're going to take this little moment that happened and run with it instead of, like... Be like, no, that you know, we don't make mistakes, or I mean, not that they're making mistakes, it's just like the typical band or musician thought of like, ah, I'm making mistakes and people can see this. And it's so funny, I've had this thought. Um, this is tied in with all of this in terms of like why we do things as artists that we feel like obligated to do, mm -hmm. like, why is every death metal band? still doing like the graphic artwork not all of them some people have like elevated out of that but <laughs> but that's still a trend or like yeah. the 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 silly illegible logos or like the the music videos in the warehouse or like it's like why why are we still doing this why is everything a, like a perpetual emulation to me it, it's and, like, like a meme of itself at this yeah point. and yeah. like what what is really the point here? Like, what is is this all just like self servicing? Especially on like a uh, like an independent level, it's like what is the point other than like oh, I just want to do something fun with my friends and share it with my friends. I feel like maybe just because it's it has at, for a while at least, and and perhaps still is, it's a niche, and like the niche is kind of like insular enough that it mostly builds upon itself. You know, it's kind of like a recursive, it feels like a recursive niche where it's just everything kind of keeps coming full circle and full circle and adapting on itself. And the true innovators are kind of the ones that drift from that. And then the niche might not accept them. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's really, it's interesting trying to find that space where um, you, you stray from the path and you feel like you're doing your own thing. But then when it comes to the time for you to like say you're in a position that you want to market that thing to people, it's like, who do you, who do you market this to? You well, know, if you're marketing to the death metal fans, it's like, there's, it's, the like the, it's a template. That's, it's know? like the only yeah. way to be successful is to follow the template mm -hmm. in some way. And it's like, well, where's the, where's the fun in that?
or where is you you know like, yeah where's like, the you in that do you have a you to add to this or i mean i don't know i guess i i started thinking about like tech death and the general uh, i don't know a lot about tech death i i've friends and and my bandmate matt is really into it and he shows me some bands that i really think are super neat but then he's like well in the same breath like shit on the entire like genre just for being copycats of each other and, oh totally like, you know doing this kind of thing and i'm like it is really cool to have those dichotomies but also means i'm not going to listen to that i'm going to listen to the the, the interesting ones mm -hmm. me personally but i guess there's other folks who think the opposite I don't want to listen to the new guy. I want to listen to what those guys have been doing. I don't know. There's folks with different interests, different needs. Yeah. It's interesting. There's like people. I'm not personally into it, but like, yeah. or I'm not into kind of like repeating a template, but. <clears throat> yeah. I think that there's, and this goes across any, any genre of music or even different mediums of art and creativity in general, where it's like, I have sometimes difficulty engaging with new bands like say for example we can go back to talking about a band like loathe or vain we i had mentioned earlier really cool bands good live bands they're doing cool things but you know it's so reminiscent of stuff that like i was listening to when i was in high school which is what makes me like it like i remember when vain put out that error zone record i was like i haven't felt this way since i was like in 11th grade that's sick <laughs> That, but also so it's funny because like, I'm pretty sure I heard my my other sibling, like I've got two younger siblings, say almost the exact same thing <laughs> about Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> but like at the same time, it's like, okay, like it's fun to hear something new and there's like different compositions of something that is very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And like you see them live and it's sick, you know, but it's like, how much am I going to like want to sit down and listen to this over and over again? Because like, you know, like I have that album on vinyl. But I also have like a lot of other records from like when I was in high school that I grew up that I love. And when I'm like in my free time going to listen to music, it's usually like a nostalgia kicking in that makes me want to revisit a memory. And like it's I very I don't see myself ever being like, oh, I'm going to be in the mood to listen to Vane, regardless of how cool I think that record is. I'm, I'm probably going to like want to <laughs> go back and listen to something else. I don't know what that is. I, I feel the same way, honestly. And sometimes it actually stops me from listening to music altogether. I feel like I've been in a listening drought mm. for the last like year, largely because when I have the space and want to listen to something, almost like when your studio's in your bedroom and oh, yeah, yeah. blinking at you, uh -huh. it's like, here's new music Friday. Like you're supposed to listen to these 10 bands today and you're going to like it. <laughs> and like, this is what's going on in my brain on a Friday morning instead of like, even if my heart is telling me I want to listen to Shakira, like, <laughs> which is some, I'm letting that kind of like come back to me a little bit more. Like I've, I've set devices around the house that just like play music at certain times. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and it's like, it is set to play right now. It's Shakira. I also have one where if I tell it good night, it plays never going to give you up mm. <laughs> instead of letting you fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in the house loves that one. Mm. Um, no, I, I've gotten rid of that. But the point is, I'll now, right, right now, I've kind of tried to push myself back into it. But yeah, for the last year or so, I've just been obsessed, or maybe not obsessed isn't the right word, but 
my my goals of listening have been towards new music, you know, like getting something new in me, absorbing it, understanding if I like it. And the trouble is 90% of the time I don't. Or if I do like it, it's not going to hold me. But the things that do hold me are things that feel nostalgic, even while like what you're describing about Loathe and Vane is exactly why I go. Or like yeah. why I'm, I can listen to Loathe pretty frequently because it does have that nostalgic kick to it, but it's also, it's something new that has, has gotten my attention and, and grabbed my ear. Totally. I don't know. So yes, I have that problem, but also I keep actively fighting it and I don't like fighting it. Mm. <laughs> like I yeah. want to go back to just like, most days I'm, I'm pretty sure I just want to listen to like Fallout Boy or like Blink-182 or like State Champs or something that's like, my happy time music from when I was a teenager and yeah, I was a you know, pop punk kid. But then after a while I was like, nah, maybe you should listen to this new pop punk command, or maybe you should listen to this new kind of music. Maybe you should start listening to hyper pop. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying real hard, mm -hmm. but it's not in me right now. Yeah. Like, and maybe it'll be in me at some point in time, but right now, I'm going back to listening to jazz records that I keep telling other people. I don't do jazz anymore, but now going back to it and listening to some of my favorite musicians from the 50s and 60s, you know? Sure. I find that another issue that I have in terms of engaging with new music is really no fault of the music itself, but we'll say some of the more commonly practiced modern production techniques oh. in a lot of music. Interesting. Um, especially in like that rock metal adjacent world. Are you like with like a loathe or a sleep token or a bad omens? Yeah. Like, I mean, if you put a lot of that stuff, it's like so much of this stuff all sounds like exactly the same tonally mm -hmm. not composition wise but tonally yeah. it's like everyone's using the same drum sounds everyone's <laughs> using the drums let's go yeah yeah <laughs> i got it too i know but <laughs> i know what the fuck you're doing i know what the fuck <laughs> everyone's doing yeah it um, is literally it's the same kind of thing where you're like what we were talking about for death metal a lot of these like metalcore bands it has a standard you're going to use get good drums or you're going to use some sort of sample from someone like either architects or uh -huh. periphery yeah. drum sounds like oh yeah and it's like it sounds great mm -hmm. but everything sounds exactly the same and it makes it really hard for me to like want to engage with it like going back to a band like bad omens I saw them play last year at Stage AE with like Under Oath and Spirit Box and Straight from the Path. I think it was a really oh, that's a crazy lineup. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> it was a really good fucking show. Yeah. Um, and Bad Omen Under Oath show started. Yeah, Under Oath headlined it. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were like coming back on a nostalgia uh -huh. tour, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Um, really good show. And like, but the, they actually have a really interesting like. This is going to go somewhere with that. Um, with talking about Under Oath. Um, you know, like. Bad Omens in particular really stood out that night because they were a very well-oiled machine, right? Mm -hmm. Like they have like their, the whole like look and their whole like very dialed in over usage of backtracks, which is fine. I don't care. Go for it, right? 
but they have like this very polished sound and very polished performance. And you could tell that the front man probably does the same fucking moves at the same places on the stage every fucking night. Like it's a very well-rehearsed thing. Great. Be a professional, put on a show. I'm happy about that. But the thing that was really interesting was like seeing under oath headline that show because they were like almost the opposite. You know, where it's like they had like the dialed in light show and like mm-hmm. the the LED walls with like, you know, all of the flashing visuals and stuff. But like they weren't running guitars direct. You know, they had amps on amps stage. on stage and it was very audibly different from everything else. Like everything they sounded like a live band on stage. And it was really interesting because like seeing like Spirit Box and Bad Omens that are like very modern sounding bands that do, do, are running. I've never seen neither of them live. Do they do a lot of like production on top of their work? Yeah. Bad Omens. Definitely mm-hmm. spirit box. Not so much. Cause that's not really like their style, Yeah, I didn't you know, so. but they're still playing. Like you could tell that they're running all of the guitars direct and they're everything's triggered and mm-hmm. it sounds really fucking clean and big and punchy, you know, like it sounds like a CD. Yeah. Um, with under oath, it was like, Oh, like this is like seeing them like back to back, like in the same space within the same, you know, three hour period. It's like, Oh, there is a difference still between what like actual mic'd gear versus all of this direct stuff sounds like it's like under oath was like louder, but not, I don't think it was just because they're like the headlining band. So they're making them louder. Like everything you could like feel everything yeah. was just like louder. Like there is a push. No, it's a, it's that a happens. feel that happens with, uh, with amplifiers. Yeah. And like, it's, it makes a lot of that modern music, even though I understand the convenience and to some degree, like if you want to achieve some of those like guitar tones, you essentially need to play through a computer on stage. You're not Mm going to get that from an amplifier. Exactly. You know, um, it is what it is, but, um, I really, I just prefer that, that sound of like a, like a rock band playing, like, like I want it to sound like. I guess it's like a nostalgia thing because who the fuck am I to say what rock music is or what it shouldn't be, right? Things should evolve. It's nature, you know what I mean? Like we shouldn't be saying that every rock band has to play through these specific instruments and this specific gear for the rest of time because that's what fucking Eddie Van Halen did, you know? Like it should grow. Yeah. But I have a hard time because I grew up with, that's what I grew up with. So for me, it's like my brain gets challenged. I'm like, oh, this sounds hollow. This sounds fake. A lot of new music that I hear, because I I record, you record. (laughs) I know what it is. It's like, am I listening to a rock album or am I actually listening to a techno album disguised as a rock album? Because it's so electronically modified. Just as you're saying, there (laughs) is plenty of what is happening now in music is the fact that we have such ease of use of technology. Like, yeah. It's all there for you. Like mm-hmm. you don't need, even though you can get like the really expensive analog sounds, most folks are like, yeah, but there's a comparable digital sound and it's not going to feel exactly the same, but for convenience sake, I might go with that. So I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of creative choices to do with this. And some of them are going to be convenience choices. And yeah, that's the state of it right now. And I can see where you're coming from. I tend to, so long as there are, there is a live aspect of it, you know, like if it's not all kind of backing tracks and like, I, I, 
generally need more than two people on stage to feel like there's a real show happening. But, <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But that's not really a, I don't know, that's not, that's neither here nor there. It's like, these folks are making the music, they're making it work for their live set, and as long as their fans respond to it, I can't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Because it's not really about me, it's about who, who likes it, and I'm allowed not to, and... But then that doesn't mean that the hordes of people that are going to see Bad Omens and selling out their shows aren't going to fall in love with exactly what Bad Omens is giving them. Totally. And I think that there is another conversation to have about like the... I wonder... So, okay. I'm getting a little sidetracked in my brain. <laughs> Let me gather my thoughts. It's okay. I'm going to drink water. Yeah. So I've had a conversation with multiple people in the past. Um... Just normal, not musician type people, not entertainment people, but people that like music and people that go to shows. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for some people that are in entertainment, I could see a band and I could be like, maybe the band's not playing well, but I can acknowledge like, oh, like, is this a a monitor mix issue? Is there some <laughs> other, is the sound, like, you know, is there an issue that is actually not the band's fault that is creating this tension or like this weird thing in the room. Yeah. Normal people don't think like that. And I've heard from people where like, I don't like going to shows because it doesn't sound like the album or like the sound is off or, you know, like, th but they don't understand everything that goes into it. Mm -hmm. So I can understand the pressure of a band that wants to operate at a certain level and play for a lot of people to give them the most palatable, no uh, mistakes on the rails type of performance because they want to be able to meet the expectations. You know, it's like almost and like... That takes away a little bit of that. I don't know. There, There's a, not a creativity, but... Like authenticity? I, yeah, authenticity, humanity about it that you take away, but also exactly what you're describing. The folks who are there to see it are going to get what they were expecting. Yeah, it's like they just want to... I mean, it's, you know, is there a conversation to be had about, like, in a time where you have, like, things like, like, artists, like a, like, like a, um, won't even have to, like, you know, like a, blah, 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 I don't know, like a, like a, like a Beyonce or a Post Malone or another bigger artist that operates in a sphere where they're touring, not necessarily with a giant live band. You know, maybe these mm -hmm. are artists that are, like, backtrack and it's just about the show yeah and this is some of the biggest music in the world mm -hmm. does the live band element matter does it matter what is being performed if things are being performed to some people or are they, are they just going to see the show well on the level of, of artists like that kind of depend like live bands are great when the instrumentation kind of goes with the music that you're playing like Beyonce's Renaissance tour, I'm sure there's plenty of live performers, including dancers, but like, I don't necessarily need to hear a baritone guitar. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, or, um, I don't, uh, there's an actual video coming out pretty soon for the Renaissance tour for Beyonce, but like, so I will be able to corroborate what it would sure. sound like. But, well, it's, I think it's like, well, you have like people were going to see Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Or people were going to see Post Malone. Or, you know, if you scale it down, 
there's maybe a lot of people that are going to see Bad Omens just to see the front person of yeah. that band. Yeah. And the rest is, and that's definitely the thing for Ghost. People were going <laughs> to see Papa, right? Yeah, yeah. The band's just a rotating cast of characters that probably get swapped out between tours all the time. Yeah, Who knows? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I don't you know. know I don't know. That's not I'm just, I these know. are assumptions, but it's just like how much, I don't know. It's like for people, they're just getting, they're getting the show and it may not matter if the majority of what they're hearing is backtracks or not. I, uh, I think for most people, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it only really matters when there's a clear thing that's missing or a clear thing that's wrong. Like, there are going to be shows where if you ha even if you have it all backed with like you you're running your own you know sound system and all you're doing is giving the sound person like two aux cables or whatever or two XLR cables with all your outs and like you have it all bundled together if the sound person doesn't know what they're doing that could still sound bad oh yeah the sound of the room is bad that could still sound bad <laughs> and the folks in the room might not take notice of that they might not Really kind of depends on mm -hmm. if they're just like eyes glued to the front, man, and they're not even hearing the same things that I'd be hearing. Yeah, it's really interesting. Have you ever, this is like some heady type of shit. You ever have those thoughts like, oh, I wonder if other people see things the same way I see them, like <laughs> colors and light and images and shapes, you know, like how, like, can I really trust that your, your eyeballs and brain? Because really, ultimately, what you're perceiving is what your brain is working yeah. and are we really seeing the same thing well when you put it that way absolutely not <laughs> yeah i have no idea right and yeah like, it's, it's the same way it's like do we hear do we hear things differently like do everybody's eardrums like take in different frequencies in different ways and the things that make sound and like you know like i think people do hear things differently and also like I mean, for How? one thing, as we get older, we do hear fewer <laughs> high frequencies. So yeah, yeah, there's, there's going to be a difference between uh -huh. me and a 20 year old's listening. But yeah, but it's just so funny because like even on like a low scale, like you, uh, you know, there's some albums that I loved when I was younger and I go back and listen to them now. And it's like, how did I like this? It just sounds like <laughs> shit. But I feel like so much of that is chalked up just to me learning more about the process. And now I listen to things differently. Yeah, you know what I mean? I do too. Especially like records that maybe you used to pan because they weren't as polished. Mm. And now I'm just like, oh no, I want to hear humans making this music sometimes. And now I can go back to that record and be like, that sounded human. You yeah, know? definitely. I think that there's... I also do that a lot with video games. Like, I, okay. There's games I played when I was a teenager or in elementary school or middle school or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this was the greatest game. You know, I spent hours and hours afternoons, evenings, weekends playing that game, I'll come back to it as an adult. I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Sure. And I mean, I don't really have the fresh eyes of like a game developer or anything, but you just do have, you know, different experiences, different tastes than you used to. I remember when I was a kid, uh, the first time I got, I, I turned on Donkey Kong Country and I saw the, the Rareware logo come oh, yeah. up. I was like, these is the craziest graphics I've ever seen. You I know? mean, back then, that was the cutting edge. Are uh -huh. you kidding? Those pre-rendered backgrounds? Come on. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, that game still slaps. Soundtrack, 
unmatched. Yeah, unmatched. <laughs> there are some classic games that, yes, you look at them with the lens of today and you're like, those graphics are terrible. But at the time, they were not. And you really need to give the context of at the time because yeah. we advanced, like, you can take almost any decade of video games and, like, the, the 90s are the biggest example of this because at the beginning of the 90s, you have the Super Nintendo. At the end of the 90s, you have the Sony PlayStation and the Dreamcast, each of which is fully capable of making 3D graphics. End of the 2010s, we have photorealism. And like this is all happening in the span of, you know, five or six years yeah. at a time. I found, yeah, I think I started to get the more realistic video games became, the less interested I was. I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, and also like the 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 there was like a lot more encouragement for like online playing and um you know like quests and goals and all that sort of stuff and like I don't know I it I think it was just like the right a right combination of me um I don't want to say aging myself out of it because I still like all of the other same shit that I did. I think that I just felt like it became too much of a, it felt like a chore yeah. to play the games and it didn't really feel like it was as much of an escape as it had been when I was like younger. No, you know, I, can, I can't remember that. like the last, I think the last final fantasy I played was 12. Was that on PS three? That was on PS two. Was 12 on PS two. Mm hmm. Okay, what was the first one they put on PS3? Because I remember I bought a PS3 for that game. For it, yeah, and it was, that was the last video game that like I really tried to play. Well, it was 13, and that's was it. 13. Yeah, and that's a that's it's a just, hard game to that's that's like a universally panned game. So like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it just wasn't the right. So one. it just really like it's if that was your last game, then you know Square Enix or whatever <laughs> like really really screwed up with that one. Yeah, it. But, but I think, at the same time, I can see it because there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of movement towards and has been since the beginning. Better graphics, make it look more real, make it look everything else. And then, especially in the last two or three years, game developers are just releasing garbage games that look okay, you know, and not everything's going to look great, especially the the bigger budget games. Yeah, I feel like there's, and this has been like, this is an issue across a lot of different platforms uh, where it's like, I don't know if there's as much energy put into like fostering new ideas or yeah. trying to generate new intellectual properties. I feel like it's so much uh, just, like just bombard people with nostalgia. Let's just make another Star Wars thing. Yeah. Okay. Why? Like we need more new worlds, and it's always. I mean, it's always going to be a gamble. The truth is, like. There are like 15 versions of Final Fantasy VII at this point because it keeps <laughs> making money. Yeah. And people keep buying it. Uh-huh. Including me. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm not also interested in a new IP. And like every time something brand new, like really fresh and new comes out, everyone's on board. Like the whole gaming industry or well, really like the communities inside of it are like, yeah, this is this is cool now. There's a, a game came out uh, two or three years ago called Vampire Survivors. And the whole gameplay mechanic is just like things, monsters come at you and you don't have any buttons or anything. You just move away from them and you survive as long as you can. And like things get bigger and bigger. And it looks like a really bad Castlevania. <laughs> <laughs> like the graphically it looks terrible, 
but it's part of the charm and it makes it more interesting, weirdly enough. And it's a very popular game and more games are now copying that again because this is exactly what you're describing. Once someone comes up with a good idea, they're going to, everyone else is going to try and milk it. Yeah. And it creates a saturation problem. It creates a bunch of apathetic viewers and people just being completely disinterested in any industry where they're doing that. And yeah, it's kind of like capitalism just trying to outpace itself and it's very wrong. Yeah. It all, it all, capitalism always seems to find a way to eat itself. <laughs> yeah. You know, Ouroboros. 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 Uh huh. Yep. 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 <laughs> I, um, I just, you know, going back into music, I mean, yeah. I guess, guess you see <laughs> that. You see the same thing. I mean, it's, it's all just, you know, when you're dealing with art at a certain level of marketability, it like always, it doesn't always lose its charm, but it finds like, I find that there's a threshold where the actual art itself stops becoming what's important. It's just yeah. like, how do we convince people to, to buy something? This. Yeah. To get, you this. know what I mean? Like, you know, name like X artist. That's just like, here's another album that sounds exactly like the last album that we did. And, you know, we're going to go on tour and we're not going to play any songs from this album. We're only going to play the hits. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this album is our excuse to get on the road again. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that's like, that's, the, that's, that's like, like a thing. That's though, like right? the legacy band model. That is the legacy band model. Yeah. And it's like, like they'll keep putting out new records that some fans are going to listen to, you know, but the real commercial appeal of theirs is playing their hits in a stadium. Like, yeah. And it's like, why, why even bother? putting out the new what what purpose does the new album really serve i would really hope that it's actually an intrinsic purpose like something that's deeper to them sure it's like it's like we don't need this anymore we get to do this because we want yeah to. maybe maybe that's like almost in a way it's like uh the payoff like mm. let's say like the label is like hey you know you you tour and you play the hits and then you can do whatever the hell you want in the studio. That's kind of it. <laughs> that sounds like a... Not, that, not, sound, that sounds kind of like a neat life, not yeah, going to lie. It's not the worst. I mean, I would get, you know, there's probably a level of exhaustion from playing the same songs for decades. But like, and then eventually certain notes you can't hit anymore. And like all the, you know, physical troubles that come with oh, it. Oh, yeah. I mean, God, I mean, I get, I get bored enough just playing songs that I wrote five years ago with my friends over and over again, you know, and it's like, yeah. and it's, it's a completely different world. You know, we're not, you know, we're not playing stadiums or anything, <laughs> but it's still, it's just like, you know, you want to continue to put out new ideas and you want people to engage with your new work. You want, but people I to be even, interested in it. Yeah. but the funny thing is, is like, even though we are not a stadium band, there's been those people that are just like the friends of the band, mm -hmm. not musician types to come out and like they'll say shit like oh I wish you still played like this song you know that's like seven years old or something like that it's like they don't get it but it's like for them it's like they heard like the first stuff that you did and they liked it and then that's created a nostalgic memory in their head mm -hmm. and then now when they're coming out that's what they're they're coming out to engage with that nostalgia not to hear our new creative thing that we've worked on and even yeah. on our level, it's like, I've seen that. And it's like, damn, 
like this kind of like I don't want to say it hurts. That's maybe a dramatic word to use, but it stings, right? It's yeah, definitely stings. Yeah, because it makes it seem like your what you are going towards, like your own progress, is not enough for. It's the like fan. Pe- it's like people aren't there for the growth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I understand that most people engage with things, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, on like a reasonably selfish level. Like if yeah. they're going to go out of their house to do something, like go to a show, spend their time off that they could be doing anything to engage with you and watch you play your instrument on stage like yeah you know like they're going there for a reason and and like there are expectations that are there yep but like sometimes it's really hard when it's like please check out this new thing and it's like and they're just not responding to it yeah yeah i guess that's why bands have always like peppered new things in and that's why like most sets just don't change and i i i think you're just hitting on like a musician's conundrum that's uh-huh. existed for a while and it sucks to experience it. I don't know if I've really felt that personally, but maybe it's because I haven't had a lot of opportunity to play songs that I've that has existed for for super, super long. I've been in like bands where like right now it kind of feels like the millennial job market kind of thing. It's like three di- three years in this band, three years in this band. Uh-huh. Something yeah. like that. Um and get to a point where maybe if I am bored or tired, then it either shows and I'm kind of like weaned away from the music anyway, or just like something happens. And at this point, I still really like playing the music I wrote five years ago. Maybe maybe I just haven't played it enough. <laughs> maybe yeah. I, I have to get bored of it. I think that there, it's, it's a mix. I think there's songs that we wrote a long time ago that I still like playing a lot. And there's others that I think I've just grown out of liking those songs. And there's always a different reason. Like maybe I'm like, oh, this song doesn't really properly represent like what we're trying to do. Like maybe Mm -hmm. it feels dated to us in some way. Like, oh, like this is a little bit more like metalcore and not as like, um, like progressive or as melodic um, or, you know, too slow, too fast, or maybe it's just like, oh, I hate playing the song because I don't have the breath control to do it live. And I've just, it's completely me being lazy and never taking the time to work on it to do it properly. Right. But it's I mean, it's always a mix that, of things. It's hard because you're also, unless you are getting paid consistently to be a vocalist, training like that is exhausting. Yeah. It's like genuinely so exhausting. Yeah. More so than, I mean, practicing is one thing, but like with vocals, I feel like there's so much training. Like it's like, it's stage, it's it's breath control. It's all these things that like a guitarist doesn't really have to deal with. Sure. You know, they have yeah. to learn riffs and there's there's challenges to every instrument, but I think there's a lot of particular challenges to, to vocalists that yeah. I don't really. There's, yeah, it's, it's always, <laughs> you know, uh, with, with Greywalker, because I play in like a, a few different bands, but with Greywalker, which is my metal band, um, we... Yeah, I just checked out a couple of your videos. I mean, I'd already seen Greywalker before, but like kind of went into the YouTube hole. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> well, hope you had a good time while I did. you were there. I, I like uh, Hour 13 a lot. Nice. Thanks. It was a good song. <laughs> it was fun to do that. I'm excited. We're working on some new stuff. We're leaning in that like heavy, fast sort of direction. But... um the fuck was i saying oh yeah so (laughs) um with a band like gray walker and being a vocalist in that band um in a live environment 
it is entertaining at times because our drummer's a bit of a wild card. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he likes to play things a little bit faster than he should, <laughs> which is sick because, you know, we're a fast band. So if we could play it faster, let's fucking rock and roll, baby. Yeah, but but as a vocalist, <laughs> uh, it can be really hard sometimes depending on the phrasing through a certain part. Like sometimes it's like, that was really cool, but I can't do it. Or I don't have time to catch my breath in between sections. And it's like, you know, you just got to go with it though. Yeah. So you know, there's always different things that work out and like, especially to in metal, since I'm just kind of barking a lot and yelling, um, you need to find that balance of being able to do it consistently for a certain amount of time without blowing out your voice. Yep. And it could be hard if you're in a live situation where, the vocal monitoring isn't set up. If you can't hear yourself and as you start a screamer, that's yeah, like and you start screaming louder mm-hmm. unintentionally, even if you're trying to hold it back. And then like either your voice is blown out or you're tired by the end of the second song or both. Yeah. You know, uh, it could be really rough. I mean, I'm at a point now where like I have a very, very simple uh in-ear monitor system just for my mic. Yeah. And if I'm playing a room that I know isn't going to be able to accommodate a simple need which it happens sometimes oh, yeah yeah it does. you know uh i will bring that and it, it helps a bit good uh but yeah i have an in-ear at this point too for exactly that same thing like i'll keep it in my car for the most part and when i go to the show um if i know that if i know the sound person and i know the monitors are there i'm not going to bring it mm-hmm. but like if there are either of those as like up in the air then it's a big chance I'm going to bring my in-ears just because I want to be able to hear myself. Totally. Sometimes people... Well, sometimes it's the room. Sometimes it's the sound. Sometimes it's the equipment. Yeah. There's several reasons. It's a mix of things. And I think when you're dealing with... You know, it's really hard to mix like a loud rock band where in a small space, that's crazy. I mean, I get it that, you know, there's only so much you could do with pushing the monitors when you have a bunch of microphones on stage and music being pumped out at whatever decibel, everything, you know, yeah, it's and like the microphones right in uh-huh. front of like, well, the band and might not be in front of the amplifiers, but you're getting so much bouncing mm-hmm. back and forth in a small yeah. room. And, and there's also like, you know, sometimes like there is a, an issue of microphone placement yeah. as a vocalist that even if you are, in an extreme band and you're jumping around the stage and trying to put on a show and razzle dazzle them, you still got to keep the microphone in front of your mouth. That's and, you, and you, you'll <laughs> see, uh, you'll see people that, you know, are like holding it way too far away and like all this stuff. And then they're complaining. I mean, Can I get something I, I try and especially with like younger students, like when you're performing, there's microphone etiquette. Yes. <laughs> actually not even like when you're performing, like anyone who has to give, any sort of public speech at an event or anything like that. Like everyone should know how to hold a microphone so that you're heard properly because I don't like, I don't know where people just like get these placements. Like why is your mic over here? This is 58. Uh (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's not going to pick your voice up here is probably okay. When, when folks do this, you know, it's, it's also okay. (laughs) Yeah. Although it's going to muffle your sound. Uh-huh. I don't know. There's, there's, yeah. All I was trying to say is there's microphone etiquette. And I've seen a lot of silly ways of doing microphone <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I mean, and again, it, a lot of it, it's funny because I think a lot of it 
some of it is an experience. Yeah. No, but then also I mean, some of it too is like emulation of stuff that they've seen other people do that they think is cool. Like I remember there was, uh, and it still happens to some degree, but there was a time like whenever, like we'll say like probably in like the very specific time frame of MySpace deathcore. <laughs> it was like mid 2008. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it was like, everybody was trying to do like the pig squeal and cup the microphone type of thing. Yeah. And it was just like, you can do that without holding the microphone that way. Um, and I don't know. It, it just felt like... I do remember that era, though. Oh, yeah. Because everyone how, was pink squealing. How and, could anyone forget? Yeah. Um, I remember all my friends were just trying to do it. Like, we would just be in a circle, like, let's squeal. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't say it like that. <laughs> we were a lot goofier than that, but... Let's squeal. That's really funny. Uh, so... One thing that I do want to point out um, for anybody that has just been like hanging out and is not familiar <laughs> with you. Um, I don't know like if you we've talked a lot about like heavy music throughout yeah. the duration of this conversation and uh, maybe you work on heavy music in your own time and there are elements to some of your music that I've heard that definitely pull from heavier oh, yeah. inspirations. But the music that you make is not what I would consider like anything super close to what we've been talking about today. I mean, no, I, I don't. But it's have like a like, mixed bag of everything, right? Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I do take heavy inspiration from, I guess, mostly bands from like the 2010s or the. There's like, there was a time where I was into Swancore and that was in there, but like, I don't, we don't talk about Swancore. <laughs> 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 Um, uh, a lot of like Under Oath and Circa Survive was a huge influence on me. Paramore was a huge influence on me. Um, a Day to Remember, we don't talk about them either. It's like uh, <laughs> bands we don't talk about anymore were huge influences on like coming up with this sound. Um, so yeah, it's all there. But you know, in addition to anything else, I've tried to squeal, squeal, <laughs> squeeze in there. Um, a lot of my Latinidad, I put in some like random rhythms that are just kind of like they're meant for dance, but they're not going to be because they're giant, massive guitars in the way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, I try and keep like I have pop punk going into something that's a lot sweeter and it's it feels disjointed when I have to talk about it because I can be like, well, that section I stole from here and that section I stole from here totally. and that section I stole from here. But uh, the whole thing is way more cohesive than that. Uh huh. Yeah. So. I, I feel like very uh, similar, especially with um, my project, normal creatures, which um, over the past, we haven't like released anything since like 2020, okay. but we've, we have like a whole mess of stuff that we've been messing with in the past few years. And we have, um, you know, like when we're in the studio working on stuff, it's like, oh, like that's the Mashuga part. Mm -hmm. That's the Van Halen part. Yep. That's the Lincoln Park part. You yeah. know, it's like, okay, yeah, wh in what are, world are the does, signifiers? Yeah, you know? you know, it's like and like trying to like mix all of that stuff together um, because it's like I always consider that band to be like my very like with Grey Walker, even though we don't put ourselves in any sort of like a box, mm -hmm. there is still kind of the unspoken like, well, we are like a metal band. Yeah. So we're going to keep it there. There's not ever going to be like the like the backtrack 808 drum break 
or anything that's like you know we probably could do that very easily but that that's not what you're actually that's not what is. we're doing yeah, yeah. yeah you know what i mean like uh you know we're gonna do this but with normal creatures it's very like well this is kind of anything mm-hmm. there i think there is an unspoken rule of like there are no rules for what this music can be you know the only the only thing that the only like rule that i've really had over the past couple of years of like working on all of this new material is like can we make it heavier <laughs> you know not necessarily in a metal context it's just like i just want to make it like can we make this louder can we make it like bigger can we make it more of a a thing you know and like i, I don't mean, i don't i, I don't, I don't want this come- to sound like 311 i don't mm-hmm. want this to sound like lincoln park necessarily i don't want this to sound like these things that are I'm like pulling inspiration from, you know, but like, I still want a heavy, I still want it to be like heavy. I mean, I, most of the time I come into something and it might not turn out to be as heavy as I wanted it to be. Yeah. That happens a lot, but I usually come into it with like, you know, like I'll in the studio, for example, with our two guitarists, when we were recording what's going to be a record coming out November 3rd, disassembly. Um, when we were recording this in the studio, there was like a baritone guitar just around. And one of my guitarists is like, yo, can I can I put that in there? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, what do you mean? Uh-huh. We got layers now. Yeah, you know, totally. Just like the depth of it, you can you can really crunch things up with a baritone and like and for me, I'm like, yeah, we did it. We made that a little bit heavier. <laughs> and so it's some most of the time it's little things for me as opposed to like all right, I'm going to make this breakdown ridiculously spacey. Although I do have some like, mm. I have a couple of breakdowns that are, are pretty hard. Yeah. I th- so <laughs> I'm excited. Pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's, you know, it's, it's important to like always keep in mind, like what is, what's the, the narrative that this song is trying to tell you and like, just not like stuff something in because like you want it to be, you know, like there are times where it's like, oh, I wish this could be like heavier, but it's like, well, it's just not a heavy song. If you want something to be heavier, write a fucking heavy song. Yeah. You got to start from like <laughs> the ground forward with that in mind. Instead Most of trying the time to change I can't really figure that out from like the DAW, to be honest. A lot of the time I'm just like, I don't have the guitar chops to yeah. decidedly make something sound like, I don't know, like periphery or like... totally. I'm I'm trying to think of something re- actually heavy and not just like progressive, but like, <laughs> um, like knock loose or something. Sure, yeah. You know? Like I'm like I want a knock loose sound, and I'll start the song with like that. But I'm on like MIDI, and it's just like ching 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 ching. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally, totally, <laughs> this totally is not working. Yeah, or you know, I mean, like I remember when I heard that like that Loathe record that came out a couple years ago that was like right around the time that we were starting to like write all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't sound anything like Love, but in terms of just like the production elements of everything, I was like, I just really like the way this record sounds. Yeah. And I would like I to mean, do that something was, that yes, sounds 100%. like this, you know, but it's like, well, we're just not the same band. So no matter what I do, it's not going to sound like that, you know? Yeah. I, I you just got to like find your own. I knew how to make those sounds, but I can't. Yeah. So just gotta, I got to like, figure something else out. Just got to find your own sound and be mm-hmm. okay with like, something being your own like the one thing that i'm really happy about with normal creatures and i feel that you should be happy about with your music too from like what i've heard which is like you know stuff that you had released yeah. years ago at now, this point at this point it's been uh, years yeah but, but it was still like one. this is like 
I feel like we could both say like this is our own thing. Uh-huh. It has influence from X, Y, and Z, but it's not like, oh, like I could put this on for somebody and be like, oh, this kind of sounds like is this that band? Is this this band? Like you don't really know, like yeah. you know, until the vocals come in. That's not the case for you. <laughs> no, for me, it's just like <laughs> this is definitely not another band. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually very much pride myself on the idea that not only do I have this kind of like different sound behind me and an incredible, incredible group of musicians who I should be naming. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys their names. There's Trip on the bass, there's Alan on the drums, there's Aiden on the guitar, and there's Matt on the guitar, and everyone contributes really wildly to the sound. But I also like being the saxophone star because my saxophone sound from like early on has been very much mine. Um, and I'm very fortunate in that. It's like I can make that instrument sing a very specific way that not a lot of folks can emulate. And I have an ego about it, 100%. <laughs> I'm like, I sound really good on my instrument. <laughs> yeah. And like, instead of denying that, I just like put it full front, you know? Well, the thing that's really cool about um, something like saxophone or any sort of instrument that is not an amplified instrument um by nature Mm -hmm. is that like so much of creating your own voice isn't reliant on technology. It's going to be reliant on how you approach your breath control and like, uh, um, like, uh, I guess like sensitivity with like fingers and things like it's it's a lot. It's a lot in your throat. Yeah. It's a lot about like how you open up here. Um, some of it has to do with your mouth, but a lot of like the actual tone of someone who's playing a wind instrument comes from, the way this is configured and everyone's is slightly different. So everyone's going to have a slightly different sound, but it's, I don't know, a lot of like, if you want to hear something softer, you kind of open up here, open up there. If you want to hear something harsher, you kind of tighten up here. And this is the same for a lot of other wind instruments too. But yeah, there's technique to it. I don't really think about the technique at this point. Sure. I'm, I'm past my 10,000 hours, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I find myself... You know, like I do think about my technique sometimes. I'm not like <laughs> I'm trying to like play off like I'm this giant egotist, but I do have these thoughts every once in a while of like, yeah, I I put in work. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that you just need to. It's it's a it's really hard to accept that like your voice is your voice and your style is your style. You know, I've been. If I just go, I mean, outside of like, you know, making beats and instruments and things like that, if we just go to like vocals, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's definitely like, like my voice sounds the way that it sounds. Yep. And it's every, every so often you'll hear like a vocalist from a band be like, oh, I really like the way that they do that. And I wish that I sounded like that. And like I might catch myself like trying to emulate or change things about my voice. Like it practice and like I mean, trying different things. Grow. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, but it's like, there's still like, my voice is my voice. And I feel like the healthiest thing is for me to just lean into what I know I'm good at and what my voice naturally sounds and mm-hmm. write for things for my voice instead of trying to like write things that I just, that aren't naturally me. Cause I can, I could probably emulate, but it's like, what's the point in that? I mean, if you like the challenge, but if yeah. that's not something you're interested in, then no. Yeah. Um, I think every once in a while I like to try and play like someone else. Um, whenever I'm studying on the instrument, 
You're always uh, transcribing. You're trying to sound exactly the way someone else sounded on a particular solo, on a particular melody or something like Mm -hmm. that. That means you take their inflections. That means you take their tone. That means you take these details that are super fun for me to pick at. That doesn't mean I'm going to sound like that at all. Yeah. It just means those are the things I'm paying attention to in you that I like. Uh, <laughs> that- it, one thing that was really interesting was, um, so we had a guitar player in Grey Walker named Ricky who left the band. And then um, when he left, Evan, the other guitar player, picked up some of his solos that he used to play. And instead of like rewriting the solos in his style, he opted to just like learn the same solos that Ricky had played and they're very different guitar players. So even today, it's really interesting hearing him play some of Ricky's solos live because like it is like the same part like on paper, but like the swing of things in some Mm -hmm. progressions is just a little different. And it's like interesting to hear like- like, my accent a different note than the other ones. It's interesting to hear like- how like those factors just as like how somebody holds a guitar holds a pick or like Mm -hmm. their finger patterns how it like changes even if it is technically the same part on paper it still sounds completely different both matt and aiden picked up on solos that were recorded by both of the my current guitarists are not the same guitarist that recorded on pretty much anything that's out there right now Mm -hmm. so this new record is kind of their debut um, at least within the band, <clears throat> they both decided to learn the solos from like the previous band members. And just as you're describing, I'm like, wow, yeah, you can do that. But you also still sound like you, which is uh-huh. so, super cool. Yeah. Like, I, I genuinely enjoy that. I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, I like that solo. I'm stealing stuff from that. Sure. And then, but then you make it sound your own. So yeah, it's like, you know, the, the song is the song and that's a part of the song. And I think like it's kind of cool because it's still like, um, at least in the case of Greywalker, you know, like the songs are a collaborative effort when they're written. It's always been that way. We're not mm-hmm. really like the type of band where like one person comes with like a full idea and everybody learns it. It's a lot of like everyone's working. Yeah, everybody's working on this or that to try to make the big picture right. But the one exception to that would probably be the solos. So like, even though Ricky had left the band, which he left on good terms, it's Mm -hmm. like he still lives on in the band through the solos that he really, you know, that was his like 100% uninterrupted contribution would be those solos that he had put into the songs. So it's cool that they're still there. If you look at it through from that lens. Yeah, that it was this collaborative effort to begin with and then kind of like came back. Yeah, all kind of plays full circle. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've uh, kind of the opposite with Feral Cat in the Wild. I can show you the logic session for each of these songs. And besides MIDI instruments, they will sound very similar. Yeah. But there is plenty of stuff that the band members add to it that I could never dream of because all I had was, you know, these fake instruments. And as you bring it to life and as you bring musicians into it and you bring these folks who are both like understanding of the ideas you have and also are like, Hey, um, as a guitarist, I don't want to do that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens plenty. I mean, that's then, exactly like, yeah. Normal creatures is the, you know, very opposite of gray Walker where it's like with normal creatures, it's like, 
when I'm when people when I'm like, hey, I got a song idea for us to work on. I'm like, I got intro verse, chorus, ver- bridge. I got the, the whole skeleton worked out. I'm like, here's here's the keys. These are the progressions. Things might change, but yeah. like, what do you like? You know, I'm like, I'm always like throwing pretty much whole ideas at them. You know, and like we always start with those ideas, and then they add to them and embellish. And sometimes things change. You know, yeah, there might be like a cool guitar part where I'm like, whoa, that's a way better intro than what I had. So maybe we can, you know, start moving things around and, yeah, you know, same kind of deal. Yeah. And, uh, it really, the songs do like definitely take shape and it is still a collaborative process, but it's I, a I much, feel the same way, much different, much different than being in like the, uh, than the gray Walker. They're two very different yeah, bands. I, I mean, I was in a band, which was a fully collaborative effort. Um, we went on hiatus in 2018, mostly because everyone started moving away from Pittsburgh, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun to just like come into a room, a practice room and be like, I guess we're writing a song today. Mm-hmm. That was also a different time in my life where I felt like I could like just kind of like goof off in music. And then at some point I became a professional and it everything just became so much more serious. I, I still like goof off in plenty of music, but my goofing off just looks different. It yeah. doesn't look like endless hours in a practice room or in, a, in someone's basement just kind of like, goofing off and accidentally writing great music like yeah no it's like now it's like if i'm lucky enough to get everybody in the same room for three or four hours once a week that's insanity that's insanity to me too i'm sometimes i'm just like i'm i need to keep conveying my gratefulness that you would spend time doing this Mm -hmm. like yeah and it's you know it's it takes so and i think that's like what what's made everything like take so long with just the process of us getting this new record together is just like, there's not enough time to like really, there's only so much I could do on my own, you know? And it's like, there's so much effort that goes into like just writing and learning. And then once you, everybody knows the song, it's like, well, actually (laughs) we need to kind of change everything just a bit. And then you rewrite and then you re demo. And then, you know, it's, yeah, there's this no songs ever here. like there's truly change here. I mean, I guess no piece of art, regardless of the medium, should ever technically be like done. There's just a point in time where you decide that this is how you share it with the world. Yeah, you know. But like, especially with I'm that's actually a- really happy with that approach generally because I am such a tinkerer and like details are my favorite. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I would stay on a song forever. But I also am grateful to just kind of get fatigued of stuff. And sometimes I'll be like, no, I don't want to listen to this anymore. Is it good enough? All right, just leave it. Like, Sure. <laughs> I think that there's a, there's a, a, an unspoken threshold in terms of like, that's not even a threshold. That's not the right word to use, but the way that I engage, say like with, with something that you did or say you listen to a song that I made, like I'm going to hear it through a completely different lens because I don't know the other ideas that maybe you have in your head. I don't know how mm-hmm. that song started. I don't know if there's a part that you couldn't nail and you just decided <laughs> to do it in a way that was easier. I don't know if there was like a bridge. That got, I don't know. <laughs> I only have that. That's and so like, funny that you would say that. <laughs> just like that, as you were talking about this stuff, I'm like, there are <laughs> several moments like that. Well, I, I never actually it. thought about it. But yeah. that, that's the same thing for me too, you know, where it's like, or like in a live environment, you know, where it's like, you know, we played um, back in July, Normal Creatures played our first show um, with like the 
the new lineup, which is the same band, but now we have a live drummer. Um, and uh, all of like, we played a good chunk of the music that we had been working on, right? Mm-hmm. Live for the first time. And there was like so much stuff that just wasn't like right. Like it was more than passable. Yeah. And, you know, I was like talking with my girlfriend about this because she doesn't know the music on that level. And she's like, everything sounded, you know, good. And then, yeah. you know, like it's fine. And like, <laughs> but I'm like, but like there's, you know, like there was a, this transition wasn't quite right or all these things. And it's just like, it doesn't matter. That no, stuff doesn't, doesn't really matter all that much. Like nobody needs to know, or nobody's going to be thinking about like, oh, like say there's like a, a drum fill that isn't exactly the way that I wanted it. Nobody's going to be like, oh, I bet that's not the right drum fill. <laughs> also, no one's going to be like after the show, hey, run it back. That drum fill was terrible. Yeah, like <laughs> totally, totally. It's like, and you need to, um, going back to the, just that bit of conversation we were having earlier where it's like, you need to have space in live music for things to not be perfect. There is kind of like a human charm to that. Like, okay, this is a band. Yeah. You know, a big part of the reason why I wanted to get live musicians in this band was because I wanted there to be the possibility for everything to be different. Like, I don't want it to, it's like we use backtracks and things like that because we have to, I'm not going to, bring fucking synthesizers on stage. It's a nightmare. Not that many synthesizers. Yeah, it's a fucking nightmare, you know. I'm not even though it would look cool. Um, but uh I wanted it to be less on the rails. Like I wanted there to be opportunity for us to be like this is a live rock band with, you know, electronic elements fused into it. Uh but then when the mistakes do happen, I still catch myself being like, oh, it's not perfect. (laughs) You know, and it's like there needs to be it's never going to be perfect. You know, I, I often get that. like my bandmates will come up to me after a show and be like, Hey, I'm sorry about that one bit. And I was like, you think I remember any of your mistakes? Like, oh yeah. You're <laughs> focused on your own and things like that. Yeah. It's not that I'm, I wouldn't say it like that or anything. It's just like, this is my mentality is we're fine. We played the show. If there are a couple of things that were super, super noticeable, let's talk about it. We can workshop it at rehearsal. But after the show's over, nah, just smile and wave, boys. Like, you did it. You got through it. Um, It sounded as good as it could for that moment. And maybe there is room for improvement. But honestly, no one in the audience is going to care. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of the beauty of it. It's like, I can know my mistakes. And I can work on them. And then the next time it will be better. And we can work on mistakes. And we'll work on them. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think... um, I find... I wonder if this is a part of it where with Grey Walker mistakes happen and they don't tend to bother me as much, mm-hmm. but Grey Walker plays live a lot more yeah. than normal creatures does. Right. Like I'm hoping that will change in the near future. Now that we're, you know, yeah, going to try to be work. more in the cycle of playing more, but recently we played two shows in the past two or three years, maybe. Oh, like we weren't playing at all. Yeah. So, so that when that different. one show happens and there's a, you know, it feels so much heavier because mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, well, you know, like we'll work on it and the next one, not a big no, deal. When you're clearly when you're working a bunch, like even if you notice those few mistakes here and there, like it's not a big deal. Yeah. But yes, I know. If exactly it's like the one, it's like, like <laughs> this is the one time that we have to play this live. I mean, for especially because Feral Cat in the Wild, like we really started kind of like six months before the pandemic. Mm hmm. So we had like three shows under our belt before the entire place just shut down. Yeah. So like, you know, I think the next time we played together was in late 2021 or something. 
And yeah, there was a lot more riding on that show and it felt a lot more anxious about the things that went wrong. And then, you know, we got back on stage a few more times and yeah. you're right. It's just like, yeah, it's, just, it's a very different feeling. I'll still have some of them on occasion, but for the most part, I'm chilling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I didn't hit that one note. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. So there is a new album coming out. You yeah. said, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do like the little quick promotion reminder of that again. Oh, yeah. So Feral Cut in the Wild, that is our group, is coming out with our first full length album. It is called Disassembly. So we actually premiered this work last year in March of 2022 at the New Hazlitt Theater. We did a multimedia performance. Um, it involved a story that I wrote for the music. And we were able to kind of like sync it all together. And it was a very cool show. And I'm trying to sort of do a light version of what's happened, what happened during that theatrical production at a release show in November 3rd. Mm. So it's at Spirit, Spirit Lodge. So the downstairs portion of it. Um, we are joined by Heading North and Fuck Yeah Dinosaurs. <clears throat> very cool. <laughs> Is there all the homies? And yeah, super excited. This record has kind of been in the works since basically the pandemic began. I'm pretty sure the first song, one of the songs from there began in 2020, something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's been a while. And we recorded some of it in Brooklyn at a friend's studio. I recorded a lot of it in my own bedroom. Recorded some of it at a studio in Homewood, at the YMCA Homewood Y, the Lighthouse Studio, I think it was what it's called. I have to remember these things. Anyway, <laughs> I just like made out my credits lists. So yeah. like, you know, I'm I'm in the I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the weeds right now. So um yeah, disassembly, 14 tracks. Uh kind of does a lot of genre hopping, but that's not why you should be interested in it. You should be interested in it because I'm in it and I'm great. <laughs> no. It's because I think this music has a lot of there's there's a lot of risks I took with this music, and I think it, they're exciting risks. They're the kind of things where I really want like the next wave of band dorks to just be into this kind of thing, and this is the kind of thing that you're going to bring to your band director. Well, I, don't, I don't know why it's specifically band dorks, but <laughs> I, w I want the band kids to be just playing this music and band and stuff, and this is the kind of influence I want. You know, Not yeah. so much like... I don't know, I've loftier goals, sure. But like for the most part, I want this to be the kind of thing that I made this to be the kind of thing I would have loved if I was a tiny child playing an instrument for the first time. Hell yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for coming on today. I feel like we had a pretty fucking good conversation, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, we went, we went there. We I went, kept looking at the time. Yeah, I, and I was like, no way. Yeah, we, we went there. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll give it a little bit of a haircut. Yeah, you of know, course, of you course, know how it course. goes. But um, definitely, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear the new stuff. Uh, that's exactly one month from the day that we're recording that's right now. That's wild, yeah. It's October 3rd right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. This episode will be coming out a little bit closer to that date there, yeah. but it's funny one month away from uh, releasing something that you've put years and countless hours of time into That's no pressure. The one. Oh, no, there's so much pressure. This, this broke me. Please listen to it. <laughs> 
Well, uh, with all of that being said, uh, that is all, folks. I will be back again next week with another episode. As you know, same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name. Oh, wow. I just put my microphone. Oh, my gosh. My name is Brian Sykes. How? Start the beat is the podcast. Take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. And peace. That's it. Nice. We recorded a podcast. Well done. Yes.